there, readers. OD here, reading aloud from Three Keys by Kelly Yang. We are on chapter 44, which is page 204, if you are following along in the book. We left off with uh, Lupe and Mia getting a ton of signatures for their petition when they went to the march in that which was they were people were marching against this prop 187 proposition 187 which is going to make it illegal for uh, certain immigrants to not be getting an education so and and not being allowed to come to school so that means Lupe would not be able to go to school with Mia oh boy let's find out what's going to happen chapter 44 At school, everyone was talking about the big march. Mrs. Welch went and got a copy of the newspaper and laid it out on a big table, and we all leaned over and looked. I peered down, expecting to see headlines that read, Tens of thousands take to the streets to renounce hatred and racism. But instead, the headline said, Sea of brown faces marching through Los Angeles antagonizes voters. What does antagonize mean? I asked Mrs. Welch. It means you do something that make makes people not like you, she said, frowning at the article. Really? But we were there, I said, looking over at Lupe. We were there too, Karina said excitedly. That's amazing that you guys all went, Mrs. Welch said. What was it like? Can you describe it for us? It was, I paused for the right adjective, electrifying, Lupe answered. At that afternoon's club meeting, we were all still talking about the march, except Jason. He was sulking. He finally came up to me after the meeting. You hurt my feelings, Mia Tang, he said as we walked back to class. I don't understand why you kicked me out the other day. It's complicated, Jason, I tried to explain, and then stopped when I saw the wall by the bathroom. In small dry erase marker were the words, Go back to your own school. This one is ours. I stared at this one is ours, feeling the anger pulsate pulsate on my lips. Come on, let's go, Jason said, trying to pull me away. No, I said, and I went up to the wall and tried to rub the words out with my fingers, but they wouldn't come out. They wouldn't come off. Still, I rubbed and rubbed, and Jason finally went and got me some water, and we worked together, rubbing until the white plaster of the wall shone through. Who wrote on that wall? The thought looped in my head all afternoon. I didn't tell Lupe about it. She had been through enough lately. Hank was inside the manager's quarters, watching the news when we got back. Reports of hate crimes were on the rise after the march, the newscaster said. A woman in Pasadena tried to cash her paycheck, but the bank teller refused to serve her unless she showed her green card. 
a man's house burned down in a fire, and when he called up the insurance company, the representative told him to go back to his country. All over the state of California, immigrants were called horrible names and turned away from stores, banks, restaurants, and even theme parks. The phone in the front office rang. Cala Vista Motel, how can I help you? I answered. Hi, this is Karen from Senator Feinstein's office. Is this the Garcia residence? Did she just say Senator? Just a minute, I said, gesturing wildly to get Lupe's attention. It's Senator Feinstein's office, I whispered loudly. Lupe ran over and picked up the phone while Hank and I went into my room to listen in on the extension. Are you Mr. Garcia's daughter? The woman asked. Yes, Lupe said. We received your letter about your dad. Senator Feinstein would like to say that she will be throwing her support against the deportation of your father, Jose Garcia. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Did you say against or for, Lupe asked. Against, the woman repeated. We'll try our best to help get your dad out. And Lupe? Yes, Lupe's voice was a tiny squeak. Senator Feinstein is so sorry you're going through this. We all are. Thank you. The woman hung up the phone and Hank and I whooped for joy as we ran out to congratulate Lupe. Ah! She screamed. She took my hand and we jumped up and down. Senator Feinstein, that's big. We got to tell the media, Hank yelled, plunging into publicist mode. As Hank started making a list of places we could contact, Lupe and I called over the rest of the weeklies and my parents. Definitely the Latino media, my dad suggested. That's a great idea, Billy Bob said. And the local TV channels, Channel 7 and KNBC. Don't forget radio, Fred said. Hank grabbed a pen and a notepad and wrote all this down. I'll get right on it, he said. I drummed my fingers, quietly mulling. I had an idea that was going to be a long shot, but it was worth a try. Lupe turned to Hank. You really think they'll want to report on this? With everything that's going on? She asked, glancing hesitantly over at the TV. I think so, Hank said. You saw how many people were at that march. There are folks out there who care. Folks like us, I added. I hopped off the stool and placed my hand on top of Lupe's. Hank leaned over and placed his dark brown hand on top of mine. And my parents added their hands on top of Hank's. And one by one, the weeklies added their hands too, until it was just one big mountain of hands. I looked around at all the love and hope and compassion in the room. The tide was turning. I could feel it. Chapter 45 That night, I worked on my secret idea, a letter to the editor. Dear Editor, As an immigrant child, I am deeply saddened by all the Prop 187 and anti-immigrant sentiments in the news. 
They are not reflective of the community of people I know and love. America is a country built by immigrants. People from all over the world come here to settle, like my parents, who gave up their careers as an engineer and a scientist so that I might have a brighter future. And my best friend's dad, Jose Garcia, who is one of the kindest, most giving people I know, and who has taught me many things, including the value of hard work. Jose Garcia came over from Mexico eight years ago, and for years he toiled in the Central Valley heat, picking grapes off the prickly vines until his fingers bled. Some days the sulfur and chemicals were so bad, he coughed himself to sleep. Later, he became a pizza delivery man, risking his life to deliver pizzas. And then after that, he taught himself how to fix the cable and became a highly skilled cable repairman. You won't believe the channels he can add to your TV. He has a wife and a daughter who is 11 years old like me. His daughter's math is so good, she's going to become one of those crazy math people like my mom, who has pieces of math in her pockets. But her dad may not be there to see it, because as we speak, he is in San Diego County Jail, facing deportation proceedings. I urge you, kind editors and readers, to write to your congressmen and your senators to stop the deportation of Jose Garcia and to vote no on Prop 187. It is inhumane to take education away from children. We have done nothing wrong. We are the future and we have hopes and dreams just like you. Vote no to hate. No to deporting Jose Garcia. No on Proposition 187. And no to Governor Wilson. Sincerely, Mia Tang, age 11. I reread my letter a thousand times, proofreading it according to all the grammar rules Mrs. Welch taught me. She was right. Learning the rules made me sure, not just guessing. As I was finishing up the letter, Lupe came bouncing into my room. Guess what? She asked. I just got off the phone with a reporter for a Latino newspaper. She wants to interview me. She's not the only one, Hank said, walking in behind her, his eyes shining. I just got off the phone with Channel 2. They want you on camera. Channel 2? As in TV? Lupe asked. That's great, I said. But Lupe took a step backward. I don't think that's such a good idea. Listen to me. It's going to be fine, Hank reassured her. I'll be right there with you. It'll be tomorrow, after school. But Lupe's hands shook the way my dad's did whenever the health department came by to inspect. In class the next day, Lupe sat at her desk looking a bit green and nauseous while the other kids talked about Michael Huffington, a politician running for Senate. The papers reported that he and his wife had employed an undocumented immigrant to take care of their kids for five years. Five years, Stuart shrieked, squeezing his face with his hands like the kid in Home Alone. 
Bethany Brett was playing with her ruby necklace. My dad says everyone needs illegal aliens to clean their house and take care of the kids. Lupe muttered to Bethany. They can do a whole lot more than that. What did you say? Bethany asked. I said they can do a lot more than that, Lupe repeated louder this time. I looked up in surprise. All right, Lupe. And it's not illegal aliens, Lupe added. It's undocumented immigrants. Bethany Brett rolled her eyes. Whatever. Then Mrs. Welch said, Did you guys know that Michael J. Fox and Arnold Schwarzenegger worked illegally in the U.S.? Schwarzenegger? Stewart asked. With that, my classmates instantly dropped immigration and launched into a debate on which was better, the Terminator or Terminator 2. I just smiled at Lupe and Mrs. Welch. They'd both surprised me so much that day. Their comments made me feel like this was my school, no matter what anyone scribbled on the walls. I found Jason sitting on the floor in the hall later that day, right below the spot where we had rubbed off the awful graffiti. Hey, he said. Anything, I asked, pointing to the wall. He scooted over so I could see. No new words. Thank goodness. So you gonna tell me why you kicked me out the other day? He's asked. I thought we were friends. We are friends, I sighed. <sighs> and sat next down to him. And sat down next to him, sorry. I had about 10 minutes before Mrs. Welch sent someone to look for me in the bathroom. If you really want to know, it has to do with what went down when Lupe and her mom worked for you guys. You kind of kicked her out first. He started shaking his head. But suddenly he gasped. <gasps> his face turning a mortified red. That was ages ago, he said. I was only like eight years old. I took a deep breath, not knowing how to explain to him that even if it seemed like a long time ago in his mind, to Lupe, the memory was still very much alive. The wound had solidified, growing more powerful and pungent, like my dad's leftover oil. Anyway, he went on, my mom's the one who did that, not me. She's the one who got all mad. I turned to him. Like she got mad at me at the motel that day, I asked. There was a flash of guilt in Jason's eyes, and then he looked down. I'm sorry for that, he muttered. He looked genuinely embarrassed, and I could tell he hadn't forgotten about it either. It's okay, I muttered back. I leaned over and bumped my shoulder with his. See, that wasn't so bad. Jason shook his head. But I can't apologize to Lupe now. It'd be so weird. I looked into Jason's eyes and said, it's never too late to say sorry. And I started getting up, but he reached out and touched my arm. Mia, you gotta understand, I was little and I was scared. I thought about this for a second. 
It's okay to be scared, I finally told him. But you know what's even scarier? Realizing something is wrong and not saying anything. Jason glanced at me as I reached to pull him up. You can do it, I said. You've done it before. Chapter 46 I didn't tell Lupe about what Jason said by the bathroom. She was already on edge walking home from school. I could almost hear her nerves rattling around in her stomach as she went over what she was going to say to the TV reporter in a few hours. We got back to find the living room in the manager's quarters completely transformed. Not only was it dusted and vacuumed, my parents' bed was gone, making the living room look more like a living room. I smiled, remembering what Lupe once said about how the definition of success in this country was if you had a living room without a bed in it. Well, we finally got there, even if it was only for an hour. Mrs. Q went and got some flowers. At 5.30, when the reporter was supposed to arrive, Lupe started freaking out. I can't do this, she said, shaking her head and jiggling her legs. I'll do the newspaper interview, but I can't go on TV. We all gathered around, but Lupe wedged her chin between her knees and covered her face with her hands. Hank sat next to her on the couch and promised he wasn't going to let the network use her real name or show her face. He had arranged it so that they would blur it out. But what if they forget, Lupe said into her knees. I could get deported. I'm going to make sure they don't forget, Hank insisted. That's what I'm here for. I'm the marketing director, remember? You have nothing to worry about. Lupe looked up at him. That's easy for you to say. You have papers. I squeezed in beside Hank. Hey, remember that card you wrote, I said? You can't win if you don't play. Lupe nodded. I went to get it from my room. I found it next to my nightstand, the little card that had helped me so many times last year. Its edges were all worn and the paper had yellowed, but it still had life to it. Gently, I placed it back in Lupe's hand. Now's the time to play, I said. We have to hit them with everything we've got. But what if, what if, Lupe's lips trembled. Hank knelt down beside Lupe. Remember how I got rejected for the line of credit? 31 bank managers looked into my eyes and said, we don't like you and we don't trust you. Hank shook his head. When I got to the last one, I was scared. I thought about giving up. And I'm not saying my fear was anything like your fear right now because it's not. Lupe unwedged her chin, listening closely. But I have fear too, Hank went on. I have fear just driving down the street. That's why I put a sticker on my car. I'm afraid of being pulled over. I have fear walking into a grocery store. Maybe they're going to accuse me of stealing something. I have fear just putting on a pair of sweatpants. He pointed to his khaki dress slacks. I was wondering why he chose to wear them every day, even when it was 102 degrees outside and every single other person was in shorts. 
I have fear every day, Hank, Hank told Lupe. But let me tell you something about fear. If you don't control it, it controls you. Lupe gazed down at the worn out card and then she pressed it tightly between her palms. Are you ready to not let it control you? Hank asked. Lupe's eyes slid over to the hook on the wall where her father's work jacket hung. I'm going to be right there, Hank said. I'm going to make sure nothing happens to you. Do you trust me? And Lupe nodded slowly. I trust you. Chapter 47 Lupe's interview aired the next day on Halloween. We all crowded around the living room and watched the footage instead of going trick-or-treating. Lupe's face was blurred out. You could only see her neck and her shirt. She was sitting in the manager's quarters wearing her no on prop 187 shirt that we got at the march. I just want my dad to stay here so we can be a family, Lupe said in the interview. My dad's a good person. He's never been in trouble before. He works so hard. Her voice was bold and strong. It was like she had bundled up all her worries and hid them behind cabinets and beds the way my mom did with loose electrical cords. She went on to describe how her dad got up at the crack of dawn each day, climbed onto the roofs of houses and buildings under the hot sun, and never took a single day off, not even on Christmas, when someone, in parentheses, Mr. Yao, I happen to know, demanded Jose come over to fix the cable so his son, in parentheses, that would be Jason, could watch movies in his room. As the camera cut to pictures of her dad, I put my arm around Lupe. I was so proud of her. The last few weeks had been really hard, and I knew she was scared of going on TV. But tonight, she had enough courage to power a city. The reporter asked Lupe what she thought of Prop 187. Do you think it had anything to do with your dad getting picked up? I think Prop 187 makes it okay to target immigrants, Lupe replied. And I don't think that's fair. We are good people. We are not here to make trouble. We want to work hard and succeed just like everyone else. Woohoo! Hank cheered, jumping up and clapping. Well said! The Weeklies and my parents all hugged Lupe when the interview was over and congratulated her on what an amazing, awe-inspiring job she did. Girl, you nailed it, I said, beaming at my best friend. Lupe grinned and gave me a high five. And just then, the phone rang. Lupe, my mom exclaimed, it's your mother. And we're going to stop there for today. Thanks for listening.